Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation from right here in Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, y'all, I have tried. I am having a real hard time finding any constituency that really supports this David Perdue move against Brian Kim and George. I was on CNN last night talking about it. Um, I just, I, I, I'm, I know there's, there's some of the, the really angry people about 2020 there, but not enough of them. It's just, it's very weird. I don't know the the atmosphere is different in Mar-a-Lago, I guess. Uh, that's not what I want to talk about though. Uh, I, I actually want to spend a little bit of time here talking about a, a difficult subject to navigate, although it really shouldn't be that difficult. It's difficult because of the forces of censorship. For years and years and years and years, conservatives have pointed out that so many of the things the left said would never happen, that the left advocated for, wound up happening. There's no need at this point in uh, the late stage of the United States to rehash arguments over gay marriage or not. Uh, Conservatives lost that argument, and I said all along that they should have made a federalist argument that uh, since marriage isn't in the Constitution, let each state decide for themselves, and every state just has to go along with each other. But the Supreme Court ruled otherwise, and uh, progressive advocates of gay marriage said that uh, a a same-sex marriage will not affect you. And then suddenly people started losing their businesses because they didn't want to go along with the agenda. And, well, then they were immediately referred to as bigots, uh, Christian zealots. Uh, bake the cake, bigot. I wasn't going to affect you. It would never affect you. If you don't like it, don't have one. Uh, and then uh, we got to shut your business down because you didn't go along with the agenda. That's kind of, uh, other than the legal issue of should businesses uh, have to cooperate and, and the Supreme Court for a while has trended towards yes, they must, although I think that's about to change. Uh, that, that issue is kind of water under the bridge. What is not water under the bridge, though, is the transgender athlete issue, where for years we have been told it's not going to affect anyone, and yet now it is affecting particularly girls in girls' sports, in high schools and colleges. You had the uh, track and field stars, the transgender tra- track and field stars in Connecticut who deprived some girls of scholarships I believe, uh, certainly surprise, uh, deprived them of wins. You had Laurel Hubbard, the guy from New Zealand who shut out some women who otherwise would have competed in the Olympics and then himself didn't do so well. And now you got Leah Thomas who changed his name from Will to Leah, who has smashed swimming records in an Akron, Ohio contest uh, he won the 1650 freestyle in record time and uh, left, according to the Daily Mail, rivals floundering in a 500 freestyle, beating them by 14 seconds. He competed in a women's swimming event between Princeton and Cornell and has regularly broken records as part of the University of Pennsylvania's team. And there's growing frustration by people that uh, Will Thomas, who is now Leah Thomas, 
swam for a couple of years on the men's team, not very successfully, becomes a woman, transitions, and is suddenly shattering records. And we were told stuff like this would never happen, and it wouldn't affect us, it wouldn't affect you, it wouldn't affect me, it wouldn't affect our kids, and yet it is. But it goes beyond this particular issue. Take critical theory. Uh, Now, a lot of businesses in this country don't call it critical theory what they're doing, but what they're doing is something called diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. Almost every company in, in the United States of America has a DEI push where they wish to hire not the best, not the most qualified, but the most diverse. Essentially, what it all boils down to, and the best way to explain all of this, particularly the DEI stuff, is that progressives failed to educate our children. And so instead of acknowledging the failures to educate our children, They must instead explain it all away by systemic racism. And they must bully companies into hiring based on skin color rather than based on core competence, depriving highly competent people of jobs because of their skin color and seeding doubt that other people got their jobs not because of their competence but because of the color of their skin. It's a level of neo-racism. It's a failure of our public school systems, and, and they can't acknowledge that. Uh, you've got, what's her name, the, the Nicole Hannah-Jones, 1619 Project woman. She's come out opposed to charter schools. Why is she opposed to charter schools? Slavery. That it treats black children like commodities. And those children need to be in public schools where everybody pays their for sure. Who cares about the results? The reason the public schools do so badly is because some kids get to go to charter schools. If they were there, it would boost their results and resources, and parents would have to invest. So we must stick these kids against their will in an educational system instead of giving them choice. They can't acknowledge the public school system failed. And so as these kids are getting into colleges, they're being told, well, it's not you, it's the system. It's systemic racism. We didn't fail you. We treated you just fine. It's the whole system is why you can't get ahead. It's not that we screwed up your schools and used public education as a tool to indoctrinate you instead of educate you. It's that the whole of the American enterprise and its experiment in in democracy is a failure seeded in racism that goes all the way back to 1619 before the United States of America was even an idea. It's an embrace of failure. And now they got to rearrange everything in society to avoid having to acknowledge they failed. So now you got to have diversity, equity, and inclusion enterprises. You have to send all of your employees into these very awkward, uh, non-data-driven orientation programs where they hear things like, if your boss wants you to turn and work on time, well, that's racism. It's a product of white supremacy. If your boss believes there's objectivity, well, it's a product of white supremacy. All of these things the left told us would never happen are happening, whether it's the transgender sports or people losing their businesses because they have conscience uh, objections to gay marriage uh, or you've got 
people out there being harassed because of the color of their skin. These are all the things the left said wouldn't happen. Whenever the left tells you, don't worry, it's never going to happen, start worrying. The larger issue here, though, is what we are seeing across the board now in uh, a post-truth, post-modernist America where real objective truth does not matter. I go back to the story. This is from the Daily Mail. Let me read you the headline. Fury as transgender UPenn swimmer 22, who used to compete as a man, smashes two U.S. women's records in weekend competition and finishes one race 38 seconds ahead of her nearest rival. This is a news organization doing a story on the outrage of Leah Thomas, who is a man biologically, and chooses to go with the female pronouns. Even the news media isn't on the act. We've rearranged truth. We've rearranged reality. And if you complain about it, if you point out the truth, you are the bad guy. Thus, we arrive at our place in culture and society, the way the United States is organizing itself these days. So much of it has been about pushing the Overton window. You take these extremist positions on either side, and you just take the extreme position over and over and over and over again until people become comfortable with you taking the extremist position, and you've shifted the Overton window, so to speak, in your area. That's what's happening here now. And all of a sudden, those of you who actually embrace science, those of you who actually embrace biology, you're the bigots. And those of you who take a data-driven approach, you look at the failing school systems, well, you're the bigot. It's not the schools that failed, it's society itself that failed. You're the racists. At some point, you just can't get give in. I mean, ultimately, where we are in postmodern America, is people on both sides want to bully everyone else. Uh, I, I heard last night, for example, in Georgia, uh, I talked to a state representative who told me that uh, his colleagues are being bullied by people close to President Trump's team, that if they don't come out and support David Perdue, that they will be primaried. So either either go with the guy you don't really want to go with or else possibly lose your job. The bullies. The left does the same thing. The bullies, they shut you down. They harass you. In this case, they, they send the Biden administration after you. Everybody now wants to govern and pursue their agendas through bullying. At some point, you got to stand up to the bullies on both sides, tribally, internally. I mean, the, the amount of pressure on the right to take a particular position is outrageous. You get organized efforts coming after people on the right who refuse to stake out a position that other people think they should stake out. In large part, they don't do it because they have conscious objections. But this happens on the left as well. You know, a lot of people in corporate America who are liberal are actually opposed to the whole diversity, equity, and inclusion effort. But the the HR departments, the CEOs and the like, they've all bought into it. They don't want to lose their jobs, so they say nothing. At some point, people have to stand up and say, this is madness. You have to look at Leah Thompson, a record-winning male athlete who's acting as a woman, and say, this is nuts. This isn't sustainable. You're depriving actual girls of actual scholarships and awards by having this guy do it. 
the, the diversity, equity, inclusion. You're bullying employees into feeling like they are part of a problem where they've had no part in causing the problem, and yet you're telling them they are. This is nuts. At some point, you have to stand up to the bullies. But there's a problem. Do you know what the problem is? Well, there are a number of problems, but one in particular. Occasionally, in an ever-growing situation on the left and the right, a lot of the people who complain about being bullied are the bullies. A lot of times, the very people who say you must stand up and do something are the ones who are bullying. Like the people who think the election was stolen and now everyone else has hell to pay because they refuse to go along with that lie. Or the people who are transgender activists who think they're the victims here and if you disagree with them, lose your job, lose your scholarship, lose your opportunity. We're a nation that needs to figure out who the bullies really are, and we need to stand up to them. And culturally, I got to tell you, if you're on the left and you think you're the victim, considering how much of culture you control, you may need to think again. You are struggling right now. Well, you should be because I am. What am I going to get people for Christmas that I love? What am I going to get myself? Well, there are lots of things you can do, and one of the things you can do is considering how much time we sleep and stay in our beds, consider gifting Bull and Branch. My gosh, their sheets are comfortable. My wife was so excited when I told her that Bull and Branch was going to be an advertiser because she's been hearing about their sheets, and she wanted some, and we bought some, and then they sent us some, and gosh, she knew she was getting that second pair. And she loves them. We have Bull and Branch on most of the beds in our house now. And all the time people ask us when they stay at our house, what exactly it is? Where do we get our sheets? Because you can feel the difference. They are very soft. You know, they've got a good snug feel to them, but they're also very soft. You can tell they've got a high thread count. I really, really do like these things. They are very soft. They've got organic cotton weave. They feel incredible all season long, every season, from twin-sized beds to California kings. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the new standard embedding from Bull & Branch. Their gifts come wrapped and ready in their special holiday packaging. If you order by December 19th, you get guaranteed delivery for Christmas. Best deals of the year are going now from December 6th to December 8th with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bullandbranch.com. That's bull, B-O-L-L, and branch. Dot com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions may apply. You're going to want Bull and Branch. Yes, you are. Former Senator Kelly Leffler is going to join me at the bottom of the hour. She is building a ground game that has thus far showed itself pretty successful in some trial runs as an effort to push back on the left and, in particular, stop the advances of Stacey Abrams and her global ambitions uh, thus far. The, the tests that they've deployed have seemed to be successful. So I'm interested in talking to her about that. I, I'm I'm probably going to have to ask her about the Senate situation in Georgia as well. Uh, but right now, this is, well, troubling for the Democrats. Just when it seems President Biden could go no lower in the public's esteem, a new I&I tip poll of Americans' preference 
for the 2024 Democratic presidential ballot is a shocker. Just over one out of five want Joe Biden back at the top of the tickets in three years. A number of recent polls have documented Joe Biden's sharp decline in favorability with the public due to a number of issues. Even so, no favorite has emerged among the large field of challengers to run against Biden, but only 22%, only 22% want Joe Biden to be the nominee in 2024. Only 12% want Kamala Harris. Ooh. Pete Buttigieg earned 4%, while AOC, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Kennedy, and Stacey Abrams got 3%. How bad do you have to be if you're Pete Buttigieg to only have one point more than Stacey Abrams, who's even less accomplished than you? My gosh. Um, uh, the fact of the matter is that overall, Joe Biden leads the field, but 31% of people actually lead the field with, uh, not sure how bad is it that among this field of candidates, not sure who should be the democratic nominee gets more votes than the sitting incumbent president of the United States. That's a problem. Um, The reality, though, is Joe Biden probably really is a one-term president. I mean, they're talking like he's going to win, but it doesn't doesn't do him any more good than Donald Trump to say, well, I'm not going to run in 2024 because then suddenly the Democrats get distracted from 2022 where they know there's going to be a bloodbath anyway and moves them on. It doesn't do the Democrats any good whatsoever for Joe Biden to announce right now that he's not running for president again. And keep in mind, events do change things. Events very much do change things in this country. So Ronald Reagan in 1983 had a 33% approval rating in the Gallup presidential approval numbers. And a year later swept the country, winning every state except Minnesota and the District of Columbia. So things can be turned around. There is some perspective here. But If you talk to Democrats privately, as I do, they don't think that Joe Biden is going to run for office again, which is why there is at this moment a concerted push to undermine Kamala Harris to make sure she herself cannot also be the nominee. Maybe it's Biden's team reconsidering things and trying to rough her up. I don't know. We'll get into it. For several years when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom to be an on-call lawyer for them. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in the country that really racks up wins, both state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. People have a Christian conservative worldview. Since leaving my law practice, I volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues and understand the state of play on cases around the country from local city councils all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now I'm glad to have ADF as an advertiser, but honestly, I'd be encouraging you to support them this time of year anyway. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes donations from you and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the Supreme Court of the land all the way down to the local level. Right now, ADF has received a matching grant, so all new donors will have their gifts matched. All you have to do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson today and donate. 
adflegal.org slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Hello and welcome. Coast to Coast is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Glad to have you with me. Joining me by phone is Senator Kelly Leffler, who represented Georgia in the U.S. Senate. Welcome. How are you? Great, Eric. Great to be with you all today. Now, listen, I, 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 I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I, I do feel like I, I got to ask you uh, in Senator Purdue's launch video yesterday, he blames Governor Kemp for losing two Senate seats in Georgia. And I, I feel obligated to ask you your thoughts on that. Well, my thoughts are represented in my actions every single day here in the state of Georgia. Uh, I've responded by building Greater Georgia to make sure that every voice is heard in Georgia, that every vote counts. And I'm working to grow the conservative movement. I mean, this is about making sure that Georgians' voices are heard, that they get involved. And I'm doing the work on the ground that had not been done, that needs to be done here to register uh, unregistered that that exist across our state conservatives uh, to make sure that the disenfranchised come back and vote. It's the only way we can stop this dangerous direction in our country and that we can stop Stacey Abrams from becoming governor and to reengage about, uh, you know, a million disengaged voters who haven't voted in two cycles that are conservatives. So I'm putting my work, my business experience uh, toward making sure that we keep Stacey Abrams out of the governor's office in November. This is a I I have to applaud the diplomacy of your answer. So let's talk about Greater Georgia because uh, Stacey Abrams, when asked after you announced you were launching this group, scoffed at it and said basically you were stealing her idea. Which when I read Stacey Abrams' idea, she's essentially doing what Republicans did when they made the big flip in Georgia and other southern states in the late '90s, early 2000s, and then seemingly abandoned it took their majorities for granted, and now you've got Republican parties across the South scrambling because the Democrats are now doing what Republicans used to do. And here you come redoing what I distinctly remember when I was in college Republicans used to do and somehow stopped doing. Well, we have to become activists and organizers, Eric, and that's what you're talking about. That's how we took the state in 2002 to conservative up and down the ballot. Unfortunately, in the last 10 years, the political trend lines have narrowed so dramatically that going from a 10 percent conservative victory in 2010 to now a flip in the Senate in 2020. um, And and we've got to get back on the ground. That's what I've been doing this year. We've had over a million and a half voter contacts. We've registered thousands of voters. We've been at 22,000 doors, knocking doors. Uh, We've been instrumental in helping uh, preserve a suburban seat in the state house in House District 34, in which Fair Fight was involved in. Uh, but but I'm also different in a lot of ways that, you know, I'm not sitting here taking out-of-state money, big tech money, trying to flip elections in Georgia. This is with local activists on the ground across the state. I've used my 21 region model in my statewide race for the Senate. We had to build it. It didn't exist. And really dedicating that to every single statewide and local candidate, because we know how important local elections are, so that no matter who comes out of the primaries, they've got infrastructure that we didn't have. Now, it, let, let's focus a little bit on, on the House District race, a suburban north of Atlanta race, 34. The Democrats poured money into it. The trend line suggested it was something they could get in a special election. And Greater Georgia went in there with strategically placed resources. And even the Republicans in the state give you guys a lot of credit for 
helping lock that seat in for the GOP. Um, what really set it apart for you guys in that race? Well, we got involved right away, uh, starting around April. We went in and registered voters. That's kind of uh, northern Cobb County. Uh, this is the area that Democrats say is completely in play. We were able to go in, drive up uh, the turnout. We got 23% of the voters attributed to our contacts. And then we increased the margin of victory over November 2020 for the Republican by six points. And we did that not just through registering, but by mobilizing you know, local activists to help get their neighbors out to the polls. We did some work around disenfranchised voters who did not come back out and vote in January after the November election. We got some of them back out. And then we got some folks that hadn't voted in a couple cycles because they see the direction of this country. They understood that the stakes in this race mean that our parents will either have or not have a say in their child's education, that they'll be able to stop this rampant government-driven inflation uh, with these socialist spending bills that are coming through Washington. They know that their vote is the only way that they can help stop this. And so that's why it's so important to get people out. And they trust their neighbors more than they trust the liberal media. And that's what we have to fight against is this liberal media, big tech cancel culture every day. I, I want to ask you about the economy before I get there. It was one thing you said is is getting voters back out who didn't vote in January. There were precisely 427,205 Republicans who stayed home in the January runoff who had voted in the general. But at the same time, the exit polling showed that there was a six-point shift back towards the Republicans, yourself included, in suburban Atlanta uh, after the general election. And that has suggested to me all along that uh, the Democrats were renting the suburbs and uh, they've been evicted now and uh, Republicans should not internalize somehow that they've lost the suburbs because it looks like they really do have the suburbs. Well, look, we, we see it. We're, you know, we hear what the kitchen table conversations are every day. Um, it's schools, it's inflation, it's jobs in the economy. Uh, it's understanding that everyone should have the chance to live the American dream. And what they're doing in Washington and what Stacey Abrams wants to do in Georgia is put everything in the hands of the government to expand it, to take money out of your paycheck, to fund the Green New Deal, to fund open borders, to defund the police, and to really fundamentally change not just America, but but the local communities we live in and the freedoms we have. So I think that's being felt throughout the suburbs, um, because in the suburbs, this is where the American dream, people are chasing that dream, working hard for their families, and they want the government out of the way. Well, now let's talk about the economy. There, you're, given your background in, in finance and business, uh, a buddy of mine, actually, and the reason I want to talk to you about this, he's texting me. He works at a Georgia company, said they are seeing 9% increase in their own costs, and they're probably going to have to start raising prices on customers they've tried to keep down just to be able to break even and turn a small profit. Uh, how do you just, just outside of the political picture uh, in business, see the inflation situation in the country? Well, it's it's clearly it was obvious that this was not going to be a transitory situation as the Fed has characterized it. And now walk that back about six months later. Um, we have inflation that isn't going to abate until next year, if even then. Uh, what we see happening right now and when you think about employers, you know, most of our employers in the state of Georgia and in every state across the country listening right now are small businesses. 
they're struggling to hire and they're having to pay higher wages and their employees need higher wages because inflation right now it's running at a 6% clip probably goes higher because demand is not abating supply is not going up. Uh, and then you've got the crunch on the other side from increased regulatory efforts by the Biden administration, higher taxes, and then just that hidden cost of uncertainty. If you're running a business and you don't know which way policies are going to go and how much your insurance is going to cost for your employees, you stop making investments, you stop hiring, you stop giving those extra wage increases and bonuses, um, and you really put small businesses in a terrible position. And that's everyone from our farmers uh, all the way up to someone who might be building a startup company right here in Georgia that becomes the next big company. So we could really be crushing uh, our economic opportunity in this country for years and years to come. Now, how do you explain it? Uh, and not, not open question here. Just, just, I'm actually curious in how you would explain to people, as you mentioned, really there's a small businesses are getting really hurt by this. And Wall Street and the stock market seem to still be doing fairly well. I just looked at th- things are trending in the right direction today. Um, how do you, as, as someone in finance, particularly uh, given uh, your involvement and in, in, with companies that have ties into Wall Street, how do you explain the divide that seems to be shaping up now between the fate of small businesses in the country and a stock market that looks like the good times are just going to be going on for a while? Well, certainly things things are frothy, and you see right now that uh, interest rates are extremely low, and the Fed's talking about starting to ease some of its uh, bond buying, whether it's in the mortgage or the government market, which would take some of the liquidity out of the market. Which to the to the average consumer, that just means that you know the the rates might be slightly up at the short end. Um, money gets tighter, rates go up, um, but longer term, what you see is we are kind of living in a world that's awash in debt. So many, many countries, dozens of countries around the world hold debt at 300% of their GDP. And if interest rate, including the United States, so if interest rates go up, the service on that debt goes way up and the music stops really fast. And the debt markets are the funding markets for all markets in this country, whether it's equities or small businesses or small banks, Um, So you could really see if the Fed starts to pull back and rates go up, you could see the music start to really uh, wind down here. And they're going to have no choice if this uh, inflationary situation stays out of control, because right now this easy money on top of all the government spending in Washington, really creating a socialist cradle to grave welfare program in America uh, that I hope Americans will reject and turn out resoundingly in November and reject that this has to stop because our country will fundamentally change. Now, last question here, and, and I'm I'm sorry, I just, you, you know this so much better than me and, and you're always so great at explaining it to people in a way they can understand. During the COVID pandemic, you and I talked while you were in the Senate uh, about your concerns over moral hazard, and we needed to do something to stop the system from crashing. Uh, you had a concern we could be creating some more hazard in the economy. And, and based on what you're saying right now, I'm kind of worried that if if interest rates go up and we do have some sort of correction within the market, Congress yet again is going to start bailing out companies that maybe don't need to be bailed out. And just want to get your perspective on that. Well, you're, you're referring, I believe, to the Paycheck Protection Program, which was so important. Um, I was 
very supportive of it last, I guess, almost two marches ago. Time has really passed. It really has. Um, <laughs> but um, because small businesses needed that, there was a serious liquidity cash crunch. It was very sudden. Businesses were forced to be shut down. But there was really no check and balance on the program. And people took money from the PPP that did not need it, created a lot of moral hazard. Um, now we're seeing the repercussions of every time something happens, you know, people look to the government and say, well, the government needs to hand out more money. We used to have a saying in business that if you're turning to the government to solve your business problems, you really got a problem. And if we keep doing that over and over, we're going to create a much bigger problem. So I also think that the left has found it to be an effective campaign tool to promise further handouts uh, and, and kind of that endless flow. But we're already seeing the result of that because taxes are going to go up for everyone in America. Inflation, uh, obviously the cruelest tax, is, applies to everyone. But the socialist spending bill that they're going to pass, that they're threatening to pass uh, in the Senate, you know, that would raise uh, taxes for many, many Americans, many more than Biden ever said. And it would cut taxes for the wealthy through the SALT deduction, through the uh, state and local tax deduction on, on mansions. And so this is the reality we're living with, with one party rule, with an out of control checkbook that um, we need to take away in November. And that's why everyone needs to come back out and vote, let the primary pl process play out. And we're going to be there at Greater Georgia to make sure that these policies get stopped here in Georgia and in Washington. Now, I said that was the last question, but let's close out on Greater Georgia. If people want to get involved with Greater Georgia, uh, what should they do? We would love to have you all visit our website at greatergeorgia.com. You can sign up to volunteer, get engaged in your local community. You can sign up for our newsletters. You can see our uh, newsletter archives on the website, so you can see the types of things we're doing. Right now we're doing a five-county Red Belt Blitz in the northern suburbs of Atlanta because the whole country is depending on Georgia to do their job, to keep a Republican in the governor's office, to, to flip the Senate seat back to, to red, and to also make sure that everyone's voice is heard because the path to the majority runs through Georgia. That's the truth. Senator Leffler, I can't thank you enough for stopping by. It's always good to hear from you. Thanks, Eric. Have a great day. You too. Senator Kelly Leffler. Folks, before we get out of here, as you are planning your Christmas shopping, consider Eden Pure. They have great air purifiers. They clean the air in your house. They don't mask the odors in your house. They eliminate them. You have a friend, family member, a child at college who has a pet, a litter box or some such, and smelly odors, hey, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm is perfect for you because it eliminates the odors and it cleans the air, gets rid of the mold, the mildew, the bacteria. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com. You click on my name, Eric Erickson. You'll see the Thunderstorm 3-pack. You get three of them for less than $200, saving $200, and free shipping. All you do is you put them in your cart and at checkout, you'll see a checkout box. In the checkout code, you put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K and the number three, ERIC3. You will save $200. You'll get three of them for less than $200 and you'll get free shipping. You get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your car. Or if you got a kid at college, they got a stinky apartment. Eh, it's great for them too. So EdenPureDeals.com, Eric Erickson, click on my name, put the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack in your cart. Use the discount code ERIC3 at checkout. 
Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. To the phones, Kathy, you're going to be up first. Welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So I heard, I first heard about this. I was calling about the transgender swimmer from UPenn. Mm-hmm. I heard I heard about it on Fox, and so I texted my son, who swims for Kaiser University in West Palm Beach, and he just got back from that meet up in Akron. He swims for Kaiser University, and so I asked him if he saw that swimmer, and he said, "Oh yeah, they had they saw that swimmer up there." And an interesting thing he told me was that when the swimmer finished their race, there was no applause for that swimmer. They the audience held their applause for the second place biological female who finished her races. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you should say that because the, in, in one of the news stories, they actually comment, uh, there's a line in there that uh, the crowd was not enthusiastic. No, right. So, yeah, that's what my son said. He said that nobody applauded when the swimmer, Leah, finished, finished the race. They held all their applause for the biological second place finisher. And he also told me that um, Daniel's team, Kaiser University, they're the men's NAIA national champions, two-time national champions. And this swimmer from UPenn, her mile time bested the entire men's Kaiser mile wow. time. Yeah. Good gracious. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is one of the... Unfortunate things we're having to deal with. Kathy, thanks very much for, for sharing that. I'm, I feel, listen, I, I feel bad for the guy and, uh, but I just, I, I feel really bad for the young women out there who are now seeing increasingly men coming into women's sports, claiming to be women and then besting all the, the actual women. It's like my, my 16 year old daughter is furious with the CDC. Because she discovered that they have on all their websites changed pregnant women to pregnant people. And my daughter takes it as a personal affront that uh, a, a, a man who becomes a woman has never had to deal with uh, monthly hormonal issues and periods. And she's just furious uh, that the CDC would disrespect women in that way. I'm like, yeah, brave new world, kiddo get used to it. It's, it's a sad thing, but you know what? I'm, I'm kind of rapidly headed towards the Dave Chappelle position that the reason transgenderism is getting so much traction in America today, like it is among academics and corporations and the like is because when you get down to it, it's actually a bunch of white men and a white men have inordinate clout in the country, even when they decide that they're women. It's it's an interesting point to think about. We're moving on when we come back. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty, building and loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty, building and loan and my friends, the Frost family come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no, it's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. 
Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 